Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Today's episode has been sponsored by me, Luke Condor, and my new absurd comedy novel, My Dog Shits Cash. It's sweet like a Pixar movie, but riotous and absurd. If you're a fan of the Mighty Boosh or Wes Anderson movies, Adventure Time, or even Bojack Horseman, then I think you'll like it. I'm running a small crowdfunding campaign to produce a limited hardcover edition, along with an audio adaptation, and I'd love to see you over there. Just click on the link in the show notes, or head to lukecondor.com forward slash cash. Today's episode is Darling Johnny, written by Georgia Cook and narrated by Josh Curran. Dr. Cassius? The nurse peered around the office door, her hair neat behind a stiff white cap. Behind her, the hospital corridor thrummed with early morning bustle. The new patient? Cassius set down his pen with a sigh. Is he playing up again, sister? I'm afraid so, doctor. We've sedated him, but I fear... Cassius waved her away. No matter, no matter. I'll see to him myself, poor fellow. Fetch Mr. Hampstead, will you? The nurse nodded, vanishing back behind the door as Cassius eased himself out of his chair. The grounds of Cassius and Crows were accustomed to unfortunates, often offspring of the wealthy elite, sequestered away in the name of family pride. But their newest intake was a sorry case indeed. 
Clark Hempstead was already waiting by the door as Cassius departed his office. Have you met the new patient yet, Hampstead? Cassius asked as they started across the courtyard together. Faced with even the most complex of tasks, he always found the head orderly stern, heavy build presence pleasantly reassuring. Hampstead nodded. Yes, sir. He bit Rathborn this morning. Cassius paused. Bit him? Whatever for? Can't say, sir. Where was he before us? Bedlam? Not Bethlehem Hospital, no, sir, replied Hampstead, tactfully. A private facility in Yorkshire, overseen by Dr... Oh, Cassius sniffed as they passed from the courtyard into the clean, stone-built walls of the patient building. A private hospital? Yes, sir. Long, white corridors stretched out ahead of them, each studded with rows of identical wooden doors. Hampstead led the way to one such door, indistinguishable from the rest. A window at head height provided an inward view of a neat, sanitised room, sparsely furnished with a narrow bed, a chamber pot, and a desk containing an array of leather-bound books. "'Learned man, is he?' Cassius muttered, as Hampstead bent to unlock the door. A lawyer, I believe, sir. Good grief! The room's single occupant rose sharply from the bed as Cassius entered. He was a pale, hunched little man with long fingers and hair turning prematurely white, his eyes wide behind a pair of round spectacles. In any other setting, he might have easily been mistaken for an accountant or a young schoolmaster. Oh, he said. His mouth twitched. Good morning, Doctor. Cassius smiled, affecting an air of cordial cheeriness. I hear there's been some trouble, old chap. Just a misunderstanding, Doctor, replied the man carefully. I feel quite calm now, I assure you. Mr. Hampstead tells me you bit one of our orderlies this morning. Uh, he was attempting to close my window, Doctor. Cassius's gaze turned upwards. Every room in the patient building came equipped with a tiny square window, no larger than a thesaurus, set up high near the ceiling. They were, by design, much too small for even a child to crawl through, but nevertheless. You know the rules, old chap, said Cassius. Can't have the windows open after dark. Yes, but I specifically requested. And when permission wasn't granted, you bit Mr. Rathborn. The patient shifted uncomfortably. It matters a great deal to me, Doctor, he said. Yes, I can see that, Cassius sighed. He was not, by nature, a cruel man, merely a practical one. I imagine it must be quite a shock, he added gently, being moved from your previous location, but I assure you it was for the best. The patient's gaze had turned to the window, his discomfort replaced by a look of deep calm. I shall admit, I was concerned at first, Doctor, but now I am quite content. Capital old chap. She has followed me here, you see. Cassius paused. Followed you? Oh, yes. I was worried she wouldn't. 
it was causing me considerable distress. She becomes really quite despondent when we're apart. And, uh, who is she, old chap? Cassius met Hampstead's eye. The orderly's face was impassive. My wife, Doctor. That's why I requested the window be opened. She can't visit if it's closed. Cassius found his gaze pulled towards the window again, half expecting to see the face of a haggard young woman pressed against it. Impossible at such a height, of course, but something about the patient's earnest tone unnerved him. Well, I hope your wife knows she can visit during open hours, he said, in what he hoped was a jovial tone. Oh, that doesn't bother her, sir. Cassius glanced again at the young man. He seemed to have returned to a state of quiet serenity, neat and careful on the edge of the bed. And uh, what does your wife do on her visits? Oh, of course. The young man smiled. How rude of me. Slowly, slowly, he pulled down his tightly fastened collar. Cassius drew back in alarm. Good lord! Gristle and veins gleamed in the sunlight. The skin surrounding it glistened red and black. Oh, it doesn't hurt, Doctor, murmured the man, his eyes dulled and dreamy, gazing into a world only he could see. It barely hurts at all. Cassius waited until Hampstead had locked the man's door behind them before allowing himself a shuddering breath. He'd seen injuries before, no use entering the medical profession without a strong stomach, but something about the young man's throat, red and glistening in the sunlight, like something had taken a bite out of his neck, whispered a terrible voice at the back of Cassius's head, bitten, and then kept chewing. Cassius forced the thought away. The wounds were there when he came to us? Yes, sir, said Hampstead. And his wife? Died over a year ago, sir, while travelling overseas. But he believes her alive. Hampstead's lips twitched. Oh, no, sir. He believes her perfectly dead. And yet she visits him each night. God above, what delusions have they fostered up in Yorkshire? Can't say, sir. Something in Hampstead's voice made Cassius pause. He turned, glad of the sunlight warming the floor behind them, the welcoming solidity of his own shadow. You've had guards posted at his door, of course? Of course, sir. Every night. I took watch myself this week. And? You've seen the window, sir? Yes, yes, of course. Cassius drew himself upright, forcing himself to breathe. And his neck. Self-inflicted, I suppose. Good lord. And this nonsense is what doctors... He dismissed the thought with a wave. No matter. I see now that I've taken this poor man's treatment too lightly. I shall see to it myself. Uh, you intend to keep watch, sir? Asked Hampstead. I... Cassius blinked. It hadn't been his initial plan, but now he thought about it. Yes. Yes, I do. Capital idea, Hampstead. Put right any notion of midnight visitations. 
Hampstead's face remained impassive. As you say, sir. It was ten o'clock when Cassius finally set down his pen, stacked his papers, and closed his ledger for the night. One of the nurses had already lit the oil lamps, tinging the night with a thick yellow glow. All was calm and quiet. There was a knock at the door. Come in, Cassius called. He was in good spirits despite the late hour. He had a mission now, a means to do good. He would have this sorry business sorted in no time. The tall silhouette of Hampstead appeared in the doorway, holding a lantern. Ah, capital! Cassius rose to greet him. Ready to go? Yes, sir. Excellent! Cassius reached across and snuffed the desk lamp. Darkness swept the office, swallowing every nook, sending shadows scuttling across the carpet. Hampstead's lantern picked fractals of glass and polished metal from the gloom. They set out across the courtyard again. A quarter moon hung overhead, bathing the world in wisps of silver. A twinge of summer warmth prickled Cassius's skin. He took a lungful of air. Wonderful night, don't you think? Sir? Cassius shot Hampstead a glance, noting how taciturn the man seemed tonight. Perhaps he was sick, tired from his rounds. The man certainly worked too hard. They passed into the cold, white corridors of the patient block, walking in silence until they reached the narrow wooden door with its square, inward window. Hampstead unlocked it with a jangle of keys and stepped aside. Cassius announced himself with a knock and stepped inside, beaming. Ah, still awake then? Splendid. You wouldn't mind some company tonight, would you, old chap? The man on the bed jumped up in surprise, his eyes round. Company, Doctor. To see this wife of yours. Cassius opened his arms. Got to meet everyone at the hospital. Stands to reason. He'd expected protests, perhaps for the young man to grow uncooperative again. Instead, the patient's worried expression split into a delighted smile. Oh, Doctor. I think she would like that immensely. The door clicked shut suddenly behind them. Cassius jumped, his mouth half open to call for Hampstead, but stopped himself. Of course Hampstead couldn't leave the door open. Sensible man, very sensible. He forced a smile, drawing the chair from under the man's desk to sit down. From here, he would observe the patient's delusion, understanding how best to dismantle it. Excellent! He clapped his hands. When should we expect her arrival? Any minute now, I imagine. The young man's gaze drifted to the window. A shaft of moonlight lit the glass, casting strange square patterns across the floor. Excellent, excellent. Cassius sat back, affecting an air of affable cheer. You know, I read your file earlier today. Terrible business in the Carpathians. Oh, yes. The man flashed him a little smile. Dr. Seward was very kind. I must say, I had my doubts as to his methods. He is a close personal friend of my wife and I before her death. 
And after, sir, replied the man mildly, and after. He rose and moved towards the window, the moonlight catching the grey in his hair, the polished shine of his spectacles. Mr. Hampstead was really very good to bring you here tonight. He has been most compliant lately. I'm afraid that does happen after a while. Cassius blinked, momentarily taken aback. Young man, he straightened, I asked to be brought here myself. Oh, no. The patient shook his head. I requested it specifically. My Mina can be artfully persuasive, but I fear rather too hungry at times. She has been through so many orderlies. Cassius opened his mouth to reply, but was stopped by a soft click from behind the door. He spun, gripped by a sudden panic. Hampstead? Nobody replied. Cassius jumped from his chair and seized the door handle, rattling it uselessly. Hampstead? Hampstead? Nothing moved beyond the door. Cassius squinted through the tiny window, his heart pounding. Where was Hampstead? Where was anyone? Why was nobody answering? Hampstead? It was my idea originally. The feeding. The professor didn't approve, of course. Neither did Dr. Seward. I believe that's why they sent me away from Carfax. Cassius turned back to him, struggling to affect an air of authority. Young man! A movement at the window. Cassius flinched. When he'd arrived in the room, the casement had been locked tight. He'd seen it locked. Now it was open. Another movement. This time from the far corner. The shadows beneath the window seemed to writhe and shift, growing a suggestion of arms and legs. Cassius forced back a moan. But I knew she'd find me. I knew it wouldn't matter. A smell like grave dirt tinged the air. A silken rustling swept the floor. Darling, came a voice, whisper light from the darkness. My darling Johnny. The young man spun, his eyes bright. Mina. Before Cassius could cry out, the shadows surged to block the window, swallowing the room, snuffing out any suggestion of moonlight. Cassius cowered against the door, his eyes squeezed shut, whimpering Hampstead's name. A cold hand caressed his cheek. Oh, you sweet thing, came the woman's voice, barely a breath from Cassius's ear. You've brought dinner. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Darling Johnny was written by George Cook, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes of music by Veli Tai and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington for travelling back in time and saving social Connors from the content Terminator and ensuring humanity is saved. 
Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's a winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at, at Georgia Cooked and on her website, georgiacookwriter.com. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He's narrated many episodes of the other stories over the show's lifetime. And he's also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast, Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at, at @jcurrenwriter. Hey, stop what you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing. Actually, keep keep doing what you're doing, but please, please, for the love of God, put some clothes on. Speaking of, do you know we have all sorts of the other stories branded clothing available at our web store, gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can enter the doors of our digital shop and you'll find racks filled with the other stories branded t-shirts, hoodies and tote bags, which you can then use to carry even more TOS clothing. So yes, put some bloody clothes on or buy some TOS clothes and get them bloody. Once again, the website is gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Gum like chewing gum and road like there's some chewing gum I've just stood in on this road. Forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time.